Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he will have mercy on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Verse 8, for my thoughts, this is God speaking, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We have to come to the understanding, we have to come to the realization that our way, most of the time, sucks. Like we tend to mess things up whenever we do things. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, repent in the name of Jesus for, you know, that fire and brimstone type of preaching and teaching that's just sending everybody to hell. Um, I have a good friend of mine who has been in Turkey now for a little bit over a decade. And uh, whenever he first started, uh, or whenever he first went to Turkey, Turkey is a dominantly Muslim country, and uh, he's from Mexico, and in Mexico, that's the way you evangelize. You stand on street corners or you stand, you walk through the street and you just like send everybody to hell. And uh, so he goes and that's what he does. He gets a handful of Bibles and he's walking down this street and he starts to evangelize in and, and the only way that he knew how. And he just starts preaching the gospel or the name of Jesus. And about an hour in or an hour or two in, this man comes and taps on his shoulder. When he turns around, it's a police officer. And he realizes he's about to go to jail. And so the very first day that he used evangelism there in Turkey, or the very first day he, was, he started to evangelize there in Turkey, he ends up in jail. Because in a place like Turkey, you can't speak the name of Jesus. You can't talk about uh, Christianity. And that's probably the, the thought that many of us get when we think about evangelism. So whenever I stand up here and say, you need to evangelize to your friends, or, or a more uh, churchy word that we use is witness. Can I get a witness? Uh, you need a witness to your friends and family. And so whenever I start talking to you about that thing, that's the first thing that pops into many of your, your guys' head. Another thing that I used to do whenever I was, I was growing up at a teenager and this is years ago. Well, not that many years ago, but a few. It's, it's long enough ago that the old Walmart was still working. It wasn't a tractor supply like it is now. It was actually the old Walmart. And uh, me and a couple of friends from here from the church, we would get these tracks. Y'all know what tracks are? If you don't, you're not missing out. If you do, you know what I'm talking about. They're like these little bitty books that uh, most of the times on the back, it like had a picture of hell or the ones that we used anyways did. And uh, so we would stand at the exit of Walmart and just hand them out. And just, like, can I pray with you? 
Uh, have you accepted, like the very first thing that we would say to people were like, have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And uh, you know how many people we led? We did this for about two years. You know how many people every Sunday, by the way, every Sunday after church, we did this for two years. You know how many people we led to Jesus through doing this? Yeah, big fat zero. None. It didn't work for us. And I think that's why evangelism now in the churches and among Christianity in the United States is at an all-time low. There are fewer people today sharing their faith with their friends and family than there ever has been in the United States. And I think it's because when we think evangelism, very few positive thoughts come into our minds. Very few times do we have uh, positive thoughts or positive experiences with evangelism. And that's why we've done it or other people have done it their way and not God's way. The reason why we don't think of evangelism in a positive attitude or, or we don't have a positive experience with evangelism is not because evangelism is bad, not because evangelism is wrong, definitely not because the gospel or because evangelism doesn't work, but simply because somebody tried it their way and it hurt people. You guys with me? So this morning we're going to unpack and we're going to look into evangelism. We're going to look at what it means, what it is to really evangelize, and then we're going to look at how to do it. So let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning for your presence that we've already felt in this place. We just ask you, God, that you would speak to us, that we would remove any uh, negative um, experiences that we have or negative thoughts that we have towards evangelism, God. And that we would begin to make the shift to now make it, uh, to, to make evangelism popular once again. That this church would take our message and take our stories and take the gospel of Jesus Christ and take it out into our friends, into our families, into our workplaces, and into our schools. God, again, remove any negative experiences with evangelism. And God, from this day forward, give us positive experiences with evangelism. Help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Amen. So evangelism is simple. Evangelism is the spreading of the Christian gospel by public preaching or personal witness. It's the spreading of the Christian gospel. Gospel equals good news. So whenever you hear gospel, that's that's what it means. It's good news. That's just a churchy word or a Bible word that we like to use that means good news. So evangelism is a spreading of Christian gospel or Christian good news by public preaching or personal witness. You know, um, most of us know, and I, and I shared it last week, um, you know, Brother Billy Graham, I just call him brother, uh, you know, reverend or whatever you want to call him, but Billy Graham passed away uh, uh, two weeks ago. And the man preached to millions upon millions. And now, you know, ever since he has passed away, there's been all kinds of stats come up about him. And the man turned down millions of dollars to not do it because they wanted to do a TV show about him. 
I don't know, maybe the Graham life. I don't know. But they wanted to do a TV show about uh, Billy Graham. ABC did, and they offered him a huge contract. And he turned it down because that would mean that he wouldn't be able to keep doing his crusades, keep preaching. And under his ministry, millions of people accepted Jesus. It's incredible. Millions upon millions of people accepted Jesus under the ministry of Reverend Graham. And so that's the public preaching, right? Now, most of you will never do that. And that's okay. Most of you will never hold a microphone and actually preach the, a public preaching or, or spread the gospel or evangelize that way. But all of us can do it through personal witness. You know what personal witness is? Personal witness is just sharing, this is what God did in me. That's what personal witness is. So whenever you evangelize and you're sharing your story, that's evangelism. Whenever you tell somebody that is broken or that's going through heartache in their family or in their marriage or, or just went through divorce or is at the point of divorce or, or whatever, and you take that person and you say, you know what, this is what God did for me. And you begin to share your story. And you share with them how God changed you and how God gave you hope and how God maybe changed your family life, how he changed your kids or just changed your perspective, changed your attitude. Whenever we begin to share our stories with others, that's personal witness. That's evangelism. And all of us can do that. You know, I highly, highly doubt that any of us would come here week after week if God hadn't done something in us. You know, nobody would come spend an hour and a half, an hour, two hours, whatever it is, sitting in a church building week after week after week if God had never done anything for them. Nobody would come and lift up their hands during worship and and sing and and worship and pray. Nobody would sit through a dull message. Of course, only my messages are dulls. Everybody else's are awesome. Anyways, but nobody would sit through a message if God hadn't done something in their lives. You wouldn't be here today if God hadn't already done something, if he hadn't sparked something in your life. You see, you have that personal witness. You have that personal story that you can share with somebody. For some of us, it may be this huge moment, kind of like a, a saw who converted into Paul moment whenever like he was blinded and just everything changed like in a day. Maybe for some of us, we have that story. Maybe for others, it's more of a day by day change. For some of us, it might just be one encounter and that day it was a miraculous change in our lives. And for others, it might just be a decision after decision. A choosing to be obedient to God, even when I didn't feel like being obedient to God. And because I put those steps together, this is where God has brought my life today. You see, we all have a personal story. We all have a personal witness. We can all share our stories, and that is evangelism. Again, you don't have to get up here and hold a mic or clip on a mic to your shirt and scream and yell. You don't have to make video after video on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter or what else is out there? Did I name them all? No. Oh my gosh, there's more. MySpace. 
You don't have to do those things to evangelize. You can just share your personal story. And we all have one. Again, every single one of us, we all have one. So what is the good news? John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Go there with me. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. This is the gospel. This is the good news compacted in just a couple of scriptures. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The good news, the gospel, is that there is a God that loves us so much that he does not want, that he did not want heaven without us. That's the good news. The good news is that there's a God, there is a living God who loved you so much that he left heaven to be with you. He left heaven, he took the cross, he took the punishment that you and I deserved. So that he could win, so that he could buy our souls back for eternity. That is the good news. It's as simple as that. We don't have to overcomplicate it. We don't have to complicate it at all. It's as simple as Jesus loves you so much. He left heaven to come here to live like you so that one day you could live with him for eternity. That's the gospel. That is the good news. Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. Romans is going to be to the right of your Bible. Romans chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. This is Paul speaking. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel, the good news, to you who are in Rome also. Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now listen to this part. Highlight this. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jews first and also for the Greek. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation For everyone who believes. You see, evangelism, the power of evangelism is a tool that God uses to save others. That's what evangelism is. That's what evangelism boils down to at its root is it is a tool. Whenever someone gets up in front of, on a stage in front of people and starts speaking the name of Jesus or starts telling people how to, how to reach salvation or whenever you share your story about what God has done in your life. Whenever we begin to do those things, those are tools that God uses to save others. Now, here's the thing about a tool, though. A tool only works when we use it. Right? A hammer has never nailed a nail on its own. A saw has never cut a board on its own. Tools can only be used 
or can only be useful, excuse me, when they are being used. So I want to read these two scriptures to you. Romans chapter 10. Just go a little bit more to the right with me. Chapter, chapter 10, verse 14. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? There's people in our communities. They call us the Bible Belt. We have churches on every stinking corner around here. But there's still people around us that haven't heard. How can that be so? How can it be that we have so many churches around here and yet there's still so many people that don't know? It's because we're being silent. It's because we're not using the tool of evangelism. And people will never love a God that they don't know loves them. People won't follow a God, won't serve a God if they don't know that he gave his son for them. There's so many people that may have heard, but they've heard a twisted version of the gospel. There's so many people, there's so many people that's been hurt by the Bible calls them wolves in sheep's clothing. People may be teaching for their own gain. And these people have left the church or have walked away from God because they don't know that God really does love them. They don't know that they exist for God. They don't know that God created them for Him. Luke 10, 2. This right here is going to show us the heart of Jesus. So after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also and sent them two by two his, uh, before his face into every city and place, and place where he himself was about to go. Then he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So tools only work when they're being used. And when Jesus looked out over this crowd, he saw another version of it. It may be in in Matthew. He says he saw people scattered. He saw them like sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion over them. Then he looked over them and he said, man, the harvest is ready. You know, it's, it's, it's like farming. You go and you look over a, you know, anybody getting a garden ready? Is it time for that yet? I'm behind like always. Anyways, 
But Jesus looks over them like he looks at a garden or he looks at a big cornfield or wheat field, whatever it may be. And he looks at the people and he says, they're ready. They're ready. And this is a thing, listen to me. This is the thing about evangelism. I think so many times we stay silent because we don't think they're ready to hear it. Or maybe we're not ready to say it. And our question so many times is, is what if I share my faith and they don't want to hear it? But Jesus looks over these people. And again, he's looking at them like a, like a big garden or like a field. And he says, it's ready. It's ready to be harvested. He's not saying that in a few days, in a few weeks, a little bit more rain, a little bit more of this, and then it'll be ready. He's saying it's ready. All we need is somebody to go out and do it. You see, some of us have been silent with our friends, with our coworkers, with our family, because we don't think that they're ready. But Jesus doesn't say they're not ready. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ready. All we need is somebody to go out and pickle. You see, essentially, Jesus looks at us, looks at our community, and it's like your garden here in a couple of months. And when, if, if for those of you that do garden, I'm sure you're watching your, your tomatoes and your jalapenos and what else you guys do? Corn and your... Squash, yes. Somebody give me some squash. I'm not going to do a garden, so somebody just give me some squash, please. Anyways, and you watch it, and you would not dare let it go a week after it was ready. If anything, most of the time we pick it too soon, right? But we watch our gardens, and as soon as it's ready, as soon as a tomato looks like it's ready, or whatever it is that we're growing, we go out and we snatch it, we pick it. And there's none of us would dare wait another month. Right? Why would we? If it's ready, why would we wait? And that's what Jesus is saying in this story. He's saying, man, why would we wait? It's ready. People are ready to hear about Jesus. People are always ready to hear about hope. People are always ready to hear that their lives can be changed, not by their own willpower, I think there's so many people that understand that we mess things up. I think there's so many, I think your friends and your coworkers and your family understand that they can't do everything on their own. You see, they're ready to hear the gospel. So instead of wondering what would happen or what happens if I share my faith and they're not ready to hear it, the question really should be, what if I don't? What happens if I don't share my faith? So I want to share with you very quickly how to share the gospel. I was about 11. I might have been 12 years old. And I had been deer hunting for a couple of years. And... Uh, Finally, this one very, very cold morning, my dad and I sit in the stand all morning long. We don't see a deer one. I don't know what happened. I mean, there just weren't any deer back then. I don't know. Anyways, we didn't see a single deer. And so we're driving down this old trail, 
headed back out of, you know, headed back towards the house. And all of a sudden, there's this little doe. She wasn't a little. She was the biggest stinking doe anybody had ever seen. Anyways, there's this doe on the side of the road. And I'm in the back seat. My gun is actually already in it. I had a little 223, and it's already in its case. And my dad's like, jump up here really quick. We weren't on a county road, by the way. We weren't on the highway. I mean, we were on one of those old, old trails. Everything was completely legal. Anyway, so I jump over. I jump over the seat. And, man, I'm, I'm like, I can't. I'm, I'm holding my dad's 30-06, and, and I can't find her in the scope. Finally, I find her, and boom, I drop her. And I'm, like, just so pumped because I finally, because all of my friends had already, uh, you know, harvested deer, and I hadn't ever. So I'm, like, just super pumped and excited. And I remember when we're skinning her, man, I stripped down to nothing but my long johns. And my dad's like, EJ, you got to put on some clothes. You're going to freeze to death. You're going to get sick. I'm like, dude, it's burning up. What are you talking about? I'm pumped. And all the way home, my grandpa is trying to convince me that, that real men don't tell people that they killed a doe. And I'm just looking at my grandpa like, I'm not a real man. What are you talking about? And uh, my grandma, my mother, and one of my aunts were in the house. And uh, so my grandma, she doesn't, she doesn't know any English. And I didn't know how to say doe. In Spanish. So doe is venada. Can you guys say venada? Venada. A lot like venada, venada is you're welcome. And then doe, female deer, is venada. So I didn't know how to say the word doe in Spanish. And I'm too pumped. I'm not like, I'm not keeping this to myself. As soon as, so as soon as my dad puts it in park, man, I don't even, I think I like just grabbed my grandpa and shoved him out of, I don't know what I did. But I slam open the door in the very first words in Spanish because my grandma doesn't speak English, my aunt didn't speak English. And so the very first words out of my mouth were, I killed a woman! I killed a woman! <laughs> and my grandma and my aunt and my mom are just like, And it takes my dad a couple of, or about a minute. I can't figure out why they're not, like, pumped and excited for me. And then my dad comes in, and my mom's like, what happened out there? And my dad's like, what? He killed a doe. Oh. I had this great, awesome news that I just could not wait to share but I did it the wrong way. And for a minute, they thought I was a murderer. You see, whenever we share the gospel, whenever we evangelize the wrong way, we take what should be something great, something so special, something life-changing, and we push people away from it. So that's why it's important. Let's pay attention here and let's, let's, let's dig in right here and let's see what is the proper way, what is the best way to share our story, to evangelize. That way we're, we're sure we get a good, clear message across and we don't push people away from the greatest, what could be, what should be the greatest part of their lives, but we draw them to it. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter three. It's going to be towards the very back of your Bible. <clears throat> We're going to read verse fifteen.
First Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready. You hear that? Always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. The English Standard Version actually says with gentleness and respect. But you see... We share, number one, we share our faith. You share your faith through relationship and natural conversation. You share your faith with relationship and natural conversation. You don't go up to a total stranger and say, Hey, dude, you know what can change your life? Hey, dude, you're a sinner. You need Jesus. Like, you're going to need Jesus to heal this black eye, you know? And we've done it wrong, or so many people have done it wrong for so long that, again, we've shoved and we've pushed people away. People actually take this verse, and then they twist it, and like they make it, they make it sound like, because it says, um, to be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. And people twist it and think that that means we have to defend the gospel. That's not what it means at all. Listen, you don't need to defend the Bible. The Bible can stand on its own. No? Yeah. You don't have to defend what's in here. It can stand on its own. So it's not about defending the gospel. It's not about defending what the Bible says. It's just about being able to respond. Whenever somebody says, because he's talking about the hope that is in you. When somebody says, why are you so happy? You're not like, oh, dude, I had like three coffees this morning. But it's an opportunity to share your faith with them. And it says, always be ready. Always be ready. So we share the gospel. We share our stories. We evangelize through relationship. You can evangelize to your friends and to your family way better than what I can. They're going to listen to you because they see your life. Now, if you're living a hypocritical life, now that's another story. But they're going to listen to you when they see your life changing. They're going to take your, th- your uh, words and they're going to see your actions and they're going to say, that's something that I can like, jump on with. You can evangelize. You can share your story way better with your friends and family than what I ever can. So we evangelize through, through relationship to those that are in our immediate surrounding and through natural conversation. Whenever they bring it up, whenever they ask questions, whenever they're ready, whenever they're open, and whenever they're willing and accepting. Okay? We don't like take the Bible and beat people over the head with it. You know, I'll never forget, man, I was in a service one time. And uh, the preacher, like this couple, like brand new to the church, and this preacher's like, you need to accept Jesus as your Savior, and I know you want to. Get up here. And the couple's just like, please be talking to somebody. Like, I could tell. They're thinking, please be talking to somebody else. And I'm sitting right behind them, and I'm thinking, please be talking to somebody else. Don't be talking to them. And like, but the, the preacher wouldn't like shut up about it. 
and force them to come up to the front and accept Jesus as their Savior. And then they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, dude. What are you doing? So we don't, like, take the Bible and beat people over the head with it. We don't just interject and just, that's not the way we evangelize. That's not how we share our stories. But through natural conversation, then we always do it with gentleness, with kindness. Not, again, not out of defense, not trying to defend what the Bible says. We don't have to defend anything that the Bible says. We don't, listen, we, we, Jesus isn't little baby Jesus anymore. He doesn't need anybody to protect him or to defend him. So we do it with gentleness and we do it with respect. You know, I've shared with you guys so many times, I've never, ever, ever heard of anybody coming to Jesus because they heard, like, they got beaten in an argument. Like, they argued, somebody argued their way to Jesus. I've never heard of that happening. So when you share your faith with people, do it with gentleness, do it with respect. Don't be like, you moron, you need Jesus. Unless they're that kind of person, there are some people that might, but not most people know. Most people, be gentle, be very respectful. Luke chapter 5, verses 31 through 32. Jesus says that I didn't come to the healthy, Jesus says. It's not the healthy that need a physician or a doctor, but it's actually the sick that need a doctor. And Jesus says, I have come not to the righteous, but to the unrighteous. That's who I'm here for. That's who I'm calling to repentance. That's who I'm calling into salvation. You see, we invite, through evangelism, we invite people to change their lives, not their church. We invite people to change their lives through Jesus, not their church through Jesus. So if somebody's already saved and somebody already believes in Jesus, but they go to another church, that's okay. Listen, we're all on the same team here. I know sometimes we don't act like it, but we're all on the same team here. We're all going to the same place. Like there's not like a Baptist heaven and a Methodist heaven and a Pentecostal heaven and then a non-denominational heaven. And then, you know, we're all going to the same place. We're all serving the same God. We're all living, hopefully, for the same God. So we're not trying to get people to switch churches. We're trying to get people to change their lives through the gospel of Jesus. So again, so if, you're, if, if you have friends and family that are already following Jesus, but they're in another church, that's completely okay. That's fine. That's great. That's good. Talk to somebody who isn't. Reach out to somebody who does not, who isn't following Jesus, who doesn't know God, that doesn't, uh, that doesn't already go to a church. You guys with me? And I love... Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Highlight this verse. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power, and you shall be witnesses to me. When you begin to evangelize, the Holy Spirit helps us. I know that for some of us, just having a conversation with somebody else is scary enough. Like for some of us, if we're in a room by ourselves and then somebody else walks in, we're like, please don't talk to me. Like we don't say it out loud, but in our mind, please don't say anything to me. For some of us, conversation in itself with somebody is already difficult. But know this, know that whenever you choose to evangelize, when you choose to share your story or the gospel or how Jesus can change your lives, know that it's not just your words working on their own. Know that it's actually the Holy Spirit actually enters you and works through you. And He can guide you and He can give you words to say. He can tell you, He can, uh, he can just guide the whole conversation for you. So I don't know about you, but that removes a lot of the fear for me. Removes a lot of the doubt for me. Because I tend to stick my foot in my mouth sometimes. But whenever I begin to evangelize or I share my story, again, what happens is the Holy Spirit actually takes control of me. And He guides me. And I promise you, if you've never done it before, if you've never tried it, I encourage you this week, go out and share your story with somebody. You'll be surprised. You'll say stuff that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm a genius. Like you really think, and now don't start thinking you're a genius. That's just the Holy Spirit working through you. But you'll say stuff that you'll be like, wow. And then a lot of times what happens is we say, we, we, ha- we have conversations And they have an impact that we don't even know about until sometimes we don't ever know. And then sometimes weeks or months later, they come up to us and say, you know what you said that day? That actually like really hit home or that really impacted me. That really moved me. That really affected me. The Holy, when the Holy Spirit takes over our bodies and takes over our language, takes over our, our, our character, Man, he can move and do incredible things. So I just want to challenge you and I want to encourage you, don't be scared. It's okay to be a little bit nervous, but don't be scared. And definitely don't be silent. Because the Holy Spirit is with you. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.theremodelchurch.com.